Hello and welcome to When It Goes Wrong, the podcast exploring disasters, accidents and times when everything falls apart. I'm Jasmine, your host, and on this episode we'll be discussing the sinking of the Titanic in 1912. It's obviously one that everyone has heard of, but it's time to dig in a bit further than the film and really understand the tragedy that unfolded and the increase in safety afterwards. And I have to say, I thought I knew a lot about Titanic because I have like been to some exhibits and that kind of thing, but actually digging into it this time, there's, there's so much that I didn't know and so much that is quite infuriating. I think this is going to be a bit of a hefty one, but hopefully it will be it will be good let's start with building the titanic so 1900s when the titanic was being built it was really the golden age of shipping so it was still a time where trains and planes just weren't at the same level as they are today and so the majority of travel and transport was done through ships if you wanted to get around the world and so not only was there that but there was just a continual battle between ship companies to get the best ship to get the biggest the best the fastest everything like that and because there were so many customers for the for for shipping it basically meant that you couldn't just get away with having a fast ship if you wanted to be really successful in the shipping industry then you had to have one which was luxurious and you had to have one that really made you stand out from the crowd So White Star Line were the firm that made Titanic and they basically commissioned three giant ships and they were trying to compete with their close rival, which was Cunard. And Cunard had recently launched two very big ships, the Lusitania and the Mauritania, and those two were super fast as well. So White Star was feeling feeling the pressure to, to compete and get in the market and so they commissioned three ships the olympic the titanic and the britannic the olympic was built first then the titanic uh, and then and then the britannic last so the titanic was built in belfast uh, even though it was registered in liverpool and it was built in like a humongous dry dock i watched some things about shipbuilding as part of this and it was very interesting i didn't really realize how they built a ship by hand in those days but it was a humongous undertaking it would like at the time titanic was the biggest man-made object on earth and you've probably seen pictures of of her before or you've seen the film uh, so she was a very large ship and she had four huge funnels on the top and they helped to release the steam so it was a steam engine had boiler engines below deck and the uh yeah the funnels allowed the steam to escape She was the longest and heaviest ship ever built at the time. And she was outfitted with the best technology at the time as well. So lights, which turned on and off based on doors being opened. So when you walked into a room, they they would turn on and turn off. There was stunning furnishing. It had a gym. It had an indoor swimming pool. And it had a very fancy Marconi machine, which allowed telegrams to be sent from the ship itself which previously they had telegrams and the ability to communicate between ships, but they didn't have the ability to send messages back to shore. So that was a very exciting addition. And even third class, so three classes, but even third class was nicer than any other ship. And it's often said that the people in third class, like that was the best they'd ever had it in terms of like the food and the beds and everything like that. So she was definitely very impressive. So in terms of how the ship itself was made up then, so it had giant propeller engines and it had 150 plus coal furnaces. And the bottom of the ship was made up of 16 compartments, which is where these boilers were. And within those 16, there were 11 watertight doors. Uh, So that meant that if one of the compartment was breached, then they could shut one of the watertight doors and it would allow the ship to remain sailing. And that's an important fact for us to to include because we will come back to that as part of the, the sinking. And the doors were controlled from the bridge and the fact that it had been compartmentalized and the fact that it had these watertight doors basically led to the ship being advertised as practically unsinkable. And that was a line that they used when they were uh, advertising it, practically unsinkable. Uh, The theory being that, yeah, if it did 
happened to hit something, then it would easily be able to be contained. So therefore, nothing bad was ever going to happen to him. So the Titanic itself, it could carry 3,547 people, uh, which includes passengers and crew. uh, And that was very big at the time. Though I did, um, I was like looking at pictures of Titanic versus like the ships today. And I do, I do want to do an episode on Costa Concordia actually. And even though like that seems huge and obviously at the time Titanic was huge, but you see the, there's like good pictures of comparing Titanic to actual ships today and it looks tiny. So yeah, it just, the mega ships that they, the mega like cruise ships that are out there at the moment are just humongous. So yeah, so it had 3,547 people that it could carry, but the laws for lifeboats were very different at the time compared to now. The laws didn't stipulate that you had to put on as many lifeboats as people. Uh, And the reason for this was similar to what I was talking about earlier. Because they had the watertight doors, the theory was that the Titanic could take on damage and then it would continue on. And the theory with lifeboats at the time, because shipping was so prevalent and there were so many boats around the idea was that the lifeboats would be used to kind of ferry people from one ship to another because ships didn't tend to sink that quickly it basically meant that titanic would be able to stay afloat even if it did have damage and then these lifeboats would come in handy because they could uh then ferry the people from titanic to another ship rather than having to actually hold all the people from the boat So that meant that Titanic was equipped with a total of 20 lifeboats. That included 14 wooden lifeboats, and each of those could carry 60 people. And then there were four collapsible canvas and wood lifeboats, which could hold slightly less, and then two emergency cutters. And so that meant that it had lifeboats for 1,178 people. So what were, what were before? 3,547 had lifeboats for 1,178. On Titanic's maiden voyage, however, it was not full for a variety of reasons, mainly because there was a coal strike at the time, and so people didn't want to travel until the coal strike was resolved, which meant that on the maiden voyage, it had 885 crew and 1,317 passengers. So around 2,200 people on board, which meant that it had a shortfall of over a 1,000 places on lifeboats. I talked a little bit about classes earlier as well and the different classes that Titanic had. So Titanic was equipped with first, second and third class. And I didn't realise this, but because of some health regulations at the time, especially the regulations in America, there were laws in place which meant that their classes had to be segregated and all mixing between third class and the other classes had to be stopped. So this is why there were gates put in place, like, you know, gates that no one could get through between third class and the rest of the ship, which... If you've seen Titanic the movie, you will have seen these gates and the bars and stuff. And that is why they were there, because legally they had to be, because of like, I think the the reasoning behind it was all about communicable diseases. They thought that they had to segregate third class so that then they wouldn't pass diseases onto the rest of the ship. In terms of then where they were in the ship, so first class was highest and was near the boat deck, which is where the lifeboats were. Uh, It was around about that. Second class was just below it. And then third class, again, below that. So quite far down within the ship itself. So let's get on to the actual journey now that we've heard heard a lot about the ship itself. So the journey for her maiden voyage, it started in Southampton, which is where the majority of the crew were from. So there was a lot of people from Southampton on the boat. And it then stopped at Cherbourg in northern France. And it stopped in Queenstown in Ireland as well before it then headed off. And the plan was that she would steam for six days to make it to New York and then would return back to the UK. 
and she was captained by Captain Edward Smith. And Captain Smith was very well regarded within White Line at the time. He was the most experienced captain that they had. It was a very prestigious position to be captaining the, you know, the biggest ship on the world in the world on its maiden voyage. And so it was April when they did this. And April was very much still in the time of iceberg season. And iceberg season was very well known for ships across the Atlantic because they were quite prevalent. And that's mainly because there were, because you've got Greenland up at the top of the Atlantic when Greenland would shear off icebergs those icebergs would then travel south as they continued to break up and when you're still in the colder months obviously the further south the icebergs could get before they properly started to to melt the maiden voyage had actually been delayed so the plan was previously to do it earlier in the year which was technically a safer time because the the icebergs hadn't sheared off at that point it was kind of in the spring that they caused an issue. But it had been delayed several times. There was delays in building. There was the coal strike that I mentioned, which meant that Titanic struggled to get all of the coal. And when they did get the coal, we'll talk about this later, when they did get the coal, they put the coal on the ship, but the coal then set on fire, which wasn't great. And coal generally starts burning without notice. So because it's just like self-combustible within within the pile of coal, it often takes like a few days before people actually realize that it's on fire because it's often like smoldering from inside. And this fire was was had been burning for 10 days before the ship even left. So firefighters were working on the fire throughout the whole journey. Which, I mean, I wouldn't enjoy being on a ship that I knew was technically on fire. But yeah, it doesn't seem great. And I'm, the next episode is going to involve a lot about coal. So I thought that was, yeah, an interesting tidbit. So other than the fire, the first four days of the ship's journey went well. They enjoyed the, all the like amazing food that they had. They did a lot of promenading on the deck, which I don't totally understand why people promenade and not walk. I'm assuming it's the same thing, right? Maybe it's different back in those days. And then they could send many messages to people back home, especially because, you know, like this was something very exciting and, and different. So they were very keen to send messages and they could send a 10 word telegram back uh, home for, for a set fee. Uh, so they were very much enjoying themselves. And so in the hours before the crash, so now coming up to uh, the day of the incident, there were loads of boats ahead of the Titanic because, I mean, even now shipping is like, if I, whenever I look at like a boat radar, because apparently that's what I'm interested in. Whenever I look at like a boat radar, I'm always amazed like how many boats there are actually out there. Same with planes. Um, but back in the back in these times, there would be even more boats. So there was loads and loads of ships crossing the Atlantic for passengers, for uh, you know, transporting goods, all of that kind of thing. And so the boats that were ahead of the Titanic basically would send messages to each other to to let them know what was going on, similar to how they do planes at the moment when planes fly over. Because if you're on a plane and you're flying over a big patch of ocean, then you often outside of radar coverage and the only way to understand what's coming up next is to talk to other planes fun fact um but yeah so the boats would talk to each other and they all the ones in front were sending lots of messages about the ice and about how there was a lot more ice than they expected there you know people really needed to to slow down to take caution potentially to change route in order to avoid some of this ice and some boats even chose to stop and wait for daylight before like choosing to navigate through that really icy area this is one of the most frustrating things that I read <laughs> when I was doing this, was that a lot of the warnings weren't actually transferred from the where they were received in the like communications room to the bridge because the same machine was being used for uh, like shipping information that was also being used for people to send messages home and because the messages being sent home by the passengers were paid for. It meant that the men 
were very busy like sending people's messages so that they even when they got all of these messages being like hey lots of ice be careful i read one that you know they just got it wrote it down and put it under a paperweight which is just yeah absolute madness so none of these messages well some of them were but not many of them were, were properly communicated back to the bridge for them to make decisions about so therefore as it as it hit night uh, on that night Titanic continued full speed ahead right in the direction of the ice throughout the night uh, and it's funny because I feel like in in the movie you get the feeling like they wanted to be the fastest ship but I think it was generally acknowledged at the time that Titanic wouldn't be the fastest ship so really they were just trying to do it for glory to be a bit faster than they expected which is why they were really trying to push forward but to be fair on them that was the general policy at the time was that the ship would could continue on as normal and those that were in the bridge and those that were in the like lookout posts on top of the ship would be looking out and they would spot icebergs with enough uh, enough notice that then they could do do something about it so actually they won't do it technically you know like legally doing anything wrong at this point but on the night, visibility was quite low, especially because it was a very cold evening and it was very clear and very still, which meant that it was harder to spot icebergs because if you think about like rough seas, then you would obviously like be able to see the waves hitting an iceberg with a bit more notice. So you'd be able to notice where the where there were rocks and that kind of thing. If you think about when you look out on the coast, you can like see all the waves like hitting hitting the rocks. But if it if it's totally still and it's night, it's very hard to to identify them. There was also the fact that they did have a pair of binoculars, but it had been lost. Or they had been lost or they'd been like locked in a room that no one could get into, something silly like that. But basically they didn't have the binoculars that they would normally have. So it was just at the time relying on the two shipmates who were on duty. The night drew in, it was very cold that night. People really noticed like the change in temperature uh, and many passengers spent the evening inside uh, trying to keep warm. And then one of the ships, which was just ahead of the Titanic, which was the trawler, the Californian, and we'll come back to the Californian several times, did decide to stop and wait uh, for the morning before continuing on through the ice. So let's get into the actual incident then. So at 11.40, the watchman from the top rang down that an iceberg was dead ahead. And this was very accurate in the film. I actually was very impressed with how much they tried to make the film as accurate as possible which i think i did realize but like to a to a very high extent you know even like when it broke apart they like did it so it broke apart at the right the right area that's a bit of a spoiler i'm sure you already know that um so yeah so th- this bit was very accurate in the film and so they saw the iceberg the ship did try and turn quite quickly and slow down but because titanic was so big it could not it just couldn't do it in time and so she ended up hitting the iceberg on the starboard side and basically what it did was it like hit almost like if you think of like morse code it almost like hit in like lots of little places but over like a long area so it wasn't like one giant gash in one bit it was like lots of small like indents and holes but across like quite a long bit of hull which was the problem and so it didn't actually like break through the hull, but what it did was it caused a lot of dents all the way along. And then because of those dents, it, it caused the rivets and the sheets to buckle. And what happened was, is because it was over such a long period of the ship, it meant that five of the watertight compartments were breached. And sadly, she had been built to stay afloat with four of them being able to be compromised, but not five. So it was just, just too many uh, for her to stay afloat. Yeah, which is very, very tragic. But the thing is, is that because it hit kind of quite slightly, people didn't really understand at that point what had actually happened. 
around especially like people on the in first class like at the top of the boat and the bridge it didn't really feel like anything it kind of just felt like a bit of a shudder and you know because the ship was such a loud and clanking with all the engines and stuff people were like didn't even notice basically they were just like eh, whatever like we'll carry on and so it took quite a long time for people, for not only the crew to understand what was happening, but also passengers. And it took a long time for people to really understand the extent of the accident as well and what what it actually meant. Because to them, you know, Titanic felt just as safe and secure as it had beforehand. So the captain was very cautious at this point, even though he didn't know what was happening, but he ordered the lifeboats to be prepped and then ordered lots of people to to assess the damage throughout the ship. So he stopped the ship and it then when it was stopped, it became clear that the bow, so the front of the ship, was sinking and had dropped. And what happened was as the ship tilted down, the compartments with water basically like flooded from one to the next even though they had the watertight doors it just then it it was just far too much damage for for it to sustain and there were actually a lot of people on board that were involved in the building of the ship uh, including thomas andrews who was the man that basically like designed titanic And Captain Smith hailed these men to come and have a look and investigate. And Thomas Andrews went and looked below, went to see what the pumps were doing, but the pumps just couldn't work fast enough. And Andrews at that point, you know, once he had seen the damage, basically said, the ship is going to sink within two hours. So they knew at that point, Titanic had too much damage. There was nothing they could do at this point. It was just about getting help and getting off the ship. So immediately, Captain Smith started sending SOS messages uh, and everyone on board was ordered to put their life belts on. And so their life belts were made of cork and they went over the head and tied around the waist. And first class passengers were ordered onto the boat deck to wait by the lifeboats. But it's like a bit of an odd one. So it was a very cold night. So many people chose to stay in their cabins or in the lounges because they didn't want to stand outside. And it's hard to believe in hindsight, but at the time, a lot of passengers thought that it was just a lot safer to be on the ship because it wasn't like rapidly sinking or shifting. It it felt like a very safe place. And when you're given the option between all this like big safe ship and this kind of like flimsy, like wooden lifeboat, people were like, I don't want like surely I should stay on the ship. Surely you've told me that this, you know, the ship's unsinkable. Why would I want to get into this tiny lifeboat? I want to be where it's safest. And so people just didn't really understand like what was happening and the like the terrible situation that they were in. And it was very loud at this point as well. So the engines were being vented to get rid of all the steam because there was like a risk with it stopping that the engines could blow up. So the engineers were working quite hard to to vent all of the engines to make sure that that didn't happen. So yeah, at this point, we've got passengers not really understanding the extent of what's wrong. They're just kind of milling about with their life jackets on, not really knowing what's happening. And at this point, it actually became clear that even though there were almost 900 crew on board, the majority of the crew were like stewards, as in like customer service or engineers. So there were very few like actual shipmates, people that worked on boats that really understood how the boat worked, how the ship how the ship was sinking, understood the extent of the problem, and not that many people that understood how to use a lifeboat and how to actually row a lifeboat. There just weren't that many people there that that understood that. So they started to prep the lifeboats. And the lifeboats were, again, very similar to what was shown in the movie in that the lifeboats were lowered by ropes. They, yeah, basically there was like two 
I think they were called like davits that kind of like went out and then the boat would be put on the ropes and then it would just be lowered down into the water. But because there hadn't been much practice with the lifeboats, the crew were very worried that the ropes weren't that strong. And so they were worried that if they filled the lifeboats up, like at that point as they were being lowered, then it would just like crash down below. So they were very wary to actually put in the 60 people that the boats were designed for. And after the fact, because, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. after the fact, they did test it and they actually found that the boats could hold double what they were designed to and the ropes could hold double what they were designed to. So really, they could have had 130 people in them. But yeah, hindsight. So yeah, so that was one of the, the problems at the time. So the crew were worried about overloading the, the lifeboats. The passengers also didn't want to get off the boat. So it was a very time-pressured situation, but no one seemed to be that bothered about it at this point. So at this point, they started loading the boats. So they had First Officer Murdoch on one side and Second Officer Lytola on the other. And this is where the whole like women and children first thing comes in. And I did that, like I read about with this like policy of women and children first. It doesn't really like come from anything. It wasn't like design, like it's not in law or anything. It was just something that people decided to do and titanic decided to do for whatever reason so anyway this is where it kind of gets a bit odd because the woman and children first thing both like each side of the ship interpreted this differently so murdoch who was on one side interpreted that as women and children first and then men whereas lytola took this to mean women and children only as in if there's no other women and children around, get the boat off. Don't let any men in it at all. And so this, again, contributed to why partially empty lifeboats were were put down. And so I should give some context to this, actually, before I go into all of the details about the lifeboats. Not only were there not enough lifeboats on the ship for the amount of people that were on the ship, but the lifeboats were very much underloaded when Titanic went down. Most of the lifeboats as they went out were kind of half full, if that in some cases. They were very, very empty compared to how full they could have been. And so that was because of the fact that the crew were worried about overloading them. But then it was this second point here. They were trying to do women and children first, but on one side of the ship, they were trying to do women and children only. And that, again meant that people like people didn't want to get on these lifeboats because they were in a ship that was very strong but also because they didn't want to separate out their families you know they were with other people they didn't a lot of them didn't want to get on the boat and leave their partners their husbands behind they wanted to stay together so especially on the side where it was women and children only a lot of people just wouldn't get on the boat. So they were sending these boats down, like I said, that were like half full because that was on the only people they could actually get to go on it. And there was another theory that they were considering sending like less full boats down from the top because then they were gonna use the lifeboats to allow people to get on them from like where the gangway was. So, you know, where you like get on the ship that was the other theory that was going on as well. So they thought, let's not kind of load them up completely because the lifeboats will then pick up more people from where uh, the ship actually like meets the waterline. But we'll come back to that, but that obviously didn't happen. So yeah, so those in the lower classes were held below at this point. Uh, some of second class were coming up, but a lot of third class were, were still being held below and they couldn't make it up to the boat deck. And they that that led to you can look at the percentages for who survived, but like a lot more first class passengers survived compared to third class. Like I said, it was later kind of understood that the those filling the lifeboats thought that the boats would come back to the ship and take the passengers on board from below, which is where the third class was. But because the ship sank so quickly, there was just not enough time for this to happen. So almost every single lifeboat, like I said, was under capacity. 
Lifeboat 1 ended up with 12 people in it. 12 people! When it could have had 60. Which, yeah, it just it's just absolute madness because there weren't enough boats in the first place and then you're putting a boat that can fit 60 with 12 people on. It's just crazy. So throughout all of this, all of the lifeboats loading, they continue to send SOS messages out to the surrounding boats. And now for the next infuriating point... <laughs> lifeboats was number one number two was the californian that we talked about earlier the trawler which had stopped at the ice field so the californian was pretty close to the titanic like the californian could literally see the titanic at this point but they shut off their wireless for the night so they basically like like stopped shut off their shut off their wireless and all went to bed And Titanic at this point was like setting off rockets and flares and stuff. And the Californian saw these, but was like, I don't really know what those flares are. Uh, I'm going to ignore them, (laughs) which is just absolute madness. Again, so infuriating. And you read about it on the Californian. And basically, the captain of the ship, like clearly was not a very nice person. And so the people that were like seeing the flares and stuff didn't want to wake him up. So they were like, oh, well, it doesn't seem important enough. And they even like noted like, oh, it looks like those lights are going down. And then obviously the ship like totally disappeared and they did nothing. Oh, just, yeah, very frustrating. But the RMS Carpathia was a lot better and did respond uh, but it was a slower ship and it was 58 miles away at this point but it did as soon as it got the distress notice from the titanic it turned around and it set off for the location to go and help but which is much better than what the californian did once the wooden boats have been launched they started to launch the collapsible ones so they had four collapsible ones but at this point the ship was almost completely underwater uh so like a couple of them just floated away with barely anyone in them by 2 15 a.m and it got hit at 11 40 uh so you know only just over two and a bit hours later the ship sank so basically as the bow was filled with water and was being pulled down the stern to the back of the ship was still full of air And that meant that it floated. So they had like these two opposing forces on the boat. And what then, that was then why the Titanic split in two. And then it, yeah, both sank basically. As as you would expect from a, a ship splitting in half. At this point, we've got the ship has sunk. We've got the lifeboats, which had been partially filled, not filled enough, uh, all out in the water. And then you've got a lot of people who were not in lifeboats, who just had life jackets on, at this point being plunged into the freezing cold water. And it was very, very cold. So most people probably died as soon as they hit the water because of the shock from it, probably caused, uh, you know, cardiac arrest. And soon very soon after most of them will have died from hypothermia from from the cold it wasn't you know a lot most of them didn't drown it was very much just the the freezing cold temperatures that they that they couldn't survive now again infuriating point number three uh, the lifeboats when they were launched basically rode away from where the titanic actually was because because they knew the ship was going down they didn't want to get sucked down with the ship which makes sense that's fine but at this point the ship has sank they can see all these people in the water but none of the lifeboats wanted to go back to try and pull people out and save them and the justification for this was that they were very scared that people would swarm the lifeboats and then the lifeboats would capsize which i understand but in reality this was very unlikely because the people in the water were frozen like they they were doing no swarming you know they needed to be pulled out so yeah so most of the lifeboats didn't want to go back a couple did and some people and some people were pulled out by those couple that did and eventually they like did get themselves organized enough where they uh consolidated people from like three lifeboats into into one because they were so empty and then uh the 
the ship, the crew then took those lifeboats back to try and, and pull survivors out. But it was too late at this point. It took 45 minutes. And, you know, in those in those waters, it's estimated that most people probably died from hypothermia within 20 minutes. So only a handful of people were actually pulled out, which, yeah, infuriating point three, like, just go back, go back and get them. But, you know, like I said, hindsight, 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 I'm sure at the time. I can understand why people were, were scared that that wasn't going to be happening. But I think the Californian is the most infur- infuriating bit for me. I'm like, that ship could literally see the Titanic and didn't do anything. Madness. So anyway, we'll we'll carry on into the recovery. So the lifeboats were then sat floating about basically waiting for someone to come and rescue them and it did take a further 90 minutes for the Carpathia to arrive because it was coming from so far away and that was likely there was likely an issue with coordinates as well it was thought earlier in the evening that the location of the ship was actually written down incorrectly and so when they were messaging out the location it is thought that yeah they gave the wrong place which then meant it did take even longer for the rescue boats to come and find them when the ship arrived uh people were hoisted up uh, and pulled back into into the ship and and cared for and the carpathia was heading to the uk but it turned around and headed back to new york uh, because it was a lot closer uh, and to allow the survivors to be looked after so in the aftermath of the tragedy it was i mean it was covered everywhere it was covered extensively in the press and many of the survivors spoke about the accident and about what happened both the us and the uk set up inquiries to to kind of understand what went wrong but both determined that based on current legislation and current shipping practices that there had been no negligence and it was ruled on both sides as an act of god so I just want to summarize a little bit around the kind of causes and the errors that contributed to the disaster because I've talked now for 42 minutes, <laughs> probably not when edited. I've talked now for longer than literally every other episode I've done. And so there's been a lot of information. So let's just consolidate it a bit. Before the disaster, one of the main problems was the fact that there were not enough lifeboats. And that was because of the policy of not having to have enough lifeboats, but also everyone thought it was unsinkable. Like Titanic actually originally was designed with a lot more lifeboats, but they took them off because they thought it cluttered the deck up and everyone thought it was unsinkable. So why why would it matter? It was just complacence at that point. Next was the coal fire. And so I mentioned the coal fire earlier in terms of like, this was like something that wasn't great but there was another theory around the coal fire that potentially weakened the hull so like where it was burning potentially like weakened that metal and it caused the ship when it hit the iceberg to buckle a lot a lot easier than it potentially would have if it wasn't on fire so that was another thing that went wrong the next part was that There was meant to be a lifeboat drill the day before the Titanic sank, but it was cancelled. And we don't really know why it was cancelled. Captain Smith died uh, on the the Titanic, so we will never know. But the fact that this lifeboat drill was cancelled meant that there was a lot less understanding of how the lifeboats worked for both the crew and the passengers. Next thing that went wrong, the messages about the ice weren't passed on, so... We had messages, we had warnings, we had people stopping, but those messages were not passed on and not able to be understood. And then the fact that the ship just didn't slow down. It it continued on full steam. If the ship was going slower, there was a lot a lot more chance that they could have turned or slowed or, or done some maneuver in order for this not to happen. But the speed it was carrying just meant that it, it couldn't happen. Then on to the disaster itself, the the three plus uh, infuriating things there. The Californian, who turned their radios off and did not come to aid the Titanic when they most definitely could have. Uh, The fact that the lifeboats were not filled and were not 
loaded correctly the fact that lifeboats were, were thought to come back but didn't come back just everything to do with the lifeboats women and children only policies being done differently uh, just the choice to yeah to not fill them is just yeah crazy and then the fact that the lifeboats did not come back for those that were in the water so yeah lots of lots of very frustrating things which I didn't really realize all of that when before this obviously I knew about Titanic and I knew like how it crashed and stuff but I definitely didn't appreciate all of those contributing factors to why it crashed and why so many people did die from it Titanic continued to make the news for many years and especially in terms of trying to find the wreck and so there was a lot of uncertainty about where the Titanic was and it was a very deep bit of ocean and so it was very hard to search through the ocean at that depth but people really wanted to find it and so lots of ships went out and kind of surveyed the area uh, looked down with with radar and that kind of thing uh, but it was only in 1985 that the wreck was found uh, because it was in such a different location than where they expected it to be and finding the ship really helped us understand how she sank. The fact that it had split into two. So there wasn't, there, there had been like conflicting stories about whether it just sank as a, as a whole ship or whether there was this, this splitting. Uh, but yeah, finding the ship um, made that very clear because if you do look at the wreckage, the, the, two, the two halves of the ship are on totally different areas. And the debris covered a, a humongous area like miles and miles of, of of floor that are covered in the debris there have been loads of sub submarine trips uh, which have filmed lots of the wreckage and lots of that film film of the wreck itself uh has is out there you can look at it but you, it's also in the titanic itself that that um footage of the titanic uh, at, at the bottom of the ocean is is all live and real So before we go into what we learned, what I found interesting about Titanic is like, why out of all of the disasters that we've talked about and the disasters in in history, like why is this something that is so kind of in popular culture? Like, why is this this an accident that everyone is, has heard of? And that was because it it was very reflected in the media at the time. And because in a time where movies and stuff were just starting to take off it was a it was a, a an important thing that people wanted to talk about so it was only 29 days after the accident that they released a silent film which dramatized the sinking and included one of the survivors which i think is very impressive to make something in 29 days i'm assuming it was pretty short but yeah crazy so oh you know only that like that quickly it shows how much interest there was in the Titanic and in what happened. The first large film uh, then to actually portray it was a film called A Night to Remember, and that was launched in 1958, and that was a very accurate portrayal of what happened. So we've obviously got this happening in 1912, 1958, which is when this film came out, 1985, which is when they actually found the wreck. Then, of course, this was crowned uh, by the film Titanic in 1997. 1997? Can you believe that? Um, which was one of the top grossing films of all time. So I think that's why it has like sat in popular culture for so long, because there were lots of events over that like long time period for, for people to get involved in. And people... It, like it brought up a lot of themes, I guess, which were interesting to people, and people, you know, wanted to to consume media on. So, you know, it was a disaster tale. It showed a lot about like segregation of class. So, you know, the fact that you were much more likely to die if you were in third class compared to first class, and that was something that a lot of people wrote about and thought about afterwards. And it really it showed like how far something can fall from the the top of the crown to to the bottom you know it just really showed how how something could be like glorified as this like the most amazing thing in the world and then could just yeah 
crash and sink on its maiden voyage. Like it, it really shows like that fallibility, I guess, which is what people were, yeah, another theme that people pondered on. And, you know, it showed the force of nature and it also really showed like how people react when faced with these types of catastrophes, uh, which is obviously what like a lot of Titanic, the more recent film, uh, portrays. Thankfully, there was a lot of improvements from the uh, Titanic. And so it led to a huge shift in safety, a huge shift in safety at sea. And it led to huge reform of the like shipping law, shipping policy, everything like that. This included the laws around lifeboats. So thankfully, after this, it meant that there had to be enough lifeboats to cover everyone on board on the ship, which I think is an excellent thing for policy to cover. Um, And as we know, that continues on today. So from this point on, lifeboats for everyone. Uh, There was also the agreement after this, because of the incident with the Californian, that the radios on ships must be manned 24 hours a day. So the fact that the Californian was allowed to turn off their radio and go to bed at the time, that was fine. But now that that is not allowed, someone has to be manning that radio at all points so that if someone does need help, then people can pick up the messages as soon as possible, which I think is a very important thing and something I kind of taken for granted. I just assumed that happened because it does happen today. Uh, But obviously something had to trigger that fact in order to do it. There was also the formation of the International Ice Patrol, and they are a group which monitors all of the sea ice in the Atlantic. And it, yeah, it would it would send ships out or planes out to go and look and see where the sea ice is, and then it would report that back to ships so that ships had advanced warning and could change their routes to be the safest routes possible. Um, and that actually is still in place today. So if you happen to get the boat over to America, then that would still be making your journey safer and why we haven't had, you know, huge incidents like this since. Uh, And there was also improved safety on the design of the ships. So they strengthened the hull to a higher level, so to uh, above where it was on the Titanic. Uh, And they also did a lot of work on strengthening like internal walls within ships because even though they had the watertight doors in the bottom compartments, uh, a lot of the walls collapsed in in other parts of the ship with the water flowing through. Uh, So it really led to changes in terms of like how safe ships are as they are built. So at this point, I wanted to shout out some references, which I thought were very good. Uh, The first one was the book Titanic Minute by Minute by Jonathan Mayo. And that was really good at bringing it to life. It focuses on the passengers, which obviously I haven't done very much in this episode because I've already been talking for a very long time. But the book is really good. And it really, yeah, it talks about loads of different passengers from loads of different classes. And it and it literally is minute by minute of what the passengers did, where they went uh, and what happened afterwards. And it does like a breakdown of like each of the lifeboats, like how many people were in the lifeboats, what happened with each of them, um, everything like that. So it's really interesting. It's really worth a read. It's not super long I don't think I've read it very quickly anyway because it is just like very addictive reading because it is minute by minute and you like know that it's coming so you're like oh like it's very quite tense reading but it's really good so if you are interested in Titanic and you haven't read that totally recommend you going to 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 do that and it was just really interesting It, it it highlighted like some of the survivors and there were actually two people on that ship that then went on the other two ships which both also both sank like in the war. So people, yeah, there were two people that went on both, all of them and survived all of those sinkings. Imagine surviving three like shipwrecks. I just can't even imagine. And I mean, like, I think I would struggle to go on a boat again if I had been on Titanic. But they, yeah, they went on on other boats since. I think the other boats didn't have as much of a major loss of life when they sank. But anyway, so it's full of it's full of fun, fun facts um, like that, which are worth uh, reading. And yeah, it, it just really brings it to life. So do do give that a read. The other two things I wanted to highlight were there's loads of documentaries out there on Titanic. And I struggled to like, 
find good ones. <laughs> like, it's just a lot of weird ones. Like, there's a lot of weird ones being like, the Titanic didn't exist or... Yeah, anyway, there's some weird stuff out there. But there were two very good documentaries I found, both which were on YouTube. There was one called Titanic, The Final Word, which had James Cameron in it. And really, the reason we have so much of the information about the Titanic is because of James Cameron, because he obviously directed Titanic, but he went down to the wreck of Titanic like six times or something crazy. So he, like, they have just collected so much information about it so that is a good one that is all about yeah diving down and really like mapping out the wreck and really mapping out exactly what happened in terms of the sinking and then there is another good one called titanic the new evidence which is also on youtube which i think was a channel 4 documentary i actually remember watching it a few years ago which talks more about like the coal fire and about how they think that impacted the uh, accident but it's it, it's not just that it's it's a good documentary all round in terms of like seeing lots of like imagery of the titanic and seeing lots of information about about the whole the whole event so i do recommend that as well uh, and then i'll put all of the um other links and stuff that i used in the show notes so thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that very much in-depth chat about Titanic. There is just, yeah, so much information out there and just so much to consider, I think, uh, around what happened. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. Please do subscribe on whatever uh, app you're currently using and please do follow me on Instagram. I'm at when it goes wrong pod. Uh, I am really trying to use the Instagram and post uh, yeah lots of stories and pictures and stuff. So and I'll put loads of pictures up of Titanic in the next few days. So please do come over there and join me and let me know what you thought. Uh, you can also email me uh, at when it goes wrong not at um, you can email me at when it goes wrong pod at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Love to hear what you thought and uh, always open for suggestions for future episodes. So yeah, please do that. 